Greetings, salute and welcome, lady beings, gentle wonders and other creatures of the night. This is the Truth or Death podcast created by Lola Hamilton and Ebel, your hosts to diversify your life. It's time for insights on the creative arts scene, hacks and tools for healthier living and hearing stories from voices around the world to share their truth stories. Are you ready to dare your truth? A new episode of the Truth or Death podcast starts now. Very special episode from my sofa with my amazing <laughs> flatmate, Mead and mince pies because today is christmas eve and we decided to do a podcast so whenever you're gonna listen to this it will be a past ep- it will be in the past but yeah i'm back with the hello and nice to be back <laughs> and if you haven't listened to any of the episodes before where we talk about sword sabers or emo times then you should go back and just listen to that first and then come back to this one and just enjoy us rambling about basically fantasy what we want to achieve with fantasy today and like what we're trying to achieve and why it's so important that we need more non-binary presentation and other great queer things so um the stage is really yours <laughs> wow putting all the pressure on me to start this off huh? um <clears throat> yeah i think we already talked about this um topic uh, a while ago on one of your instagram lives yeah It's just a thing of, and I think I noticed this especially when I sat down and I was like, okay, I'm going to find like fantasy movies and shows on Netflix to put them on the list to watch them. And I'm trying to find some, obviously, with LGBTQ representation in it. Because, yeah, you kind of, if you're part of the community, you kind of want to see characters like yourself on screen. And especially with fantasy, when there are bloody dragons and magic and all that kind of stuff you can't tell me you couldn't find one gay person it's just really strange to me and so i went around netflix trying to specifically look for two key words lgbtq plus and fantasy and i couldn't find one thing so i basically just went through fantasy stuff in itself and got strongly disappointed with either um no queer representation at all and we kill all the women in this movie which is even more infuriating than just not having any lgbtq representation but we also just kill all the strong female characters we have um or the thing of oh look a gay couple oh look it's dead and it's quite frustrating if you're already going out of your way to look for these things to find some nice representation and you're met with the same tired old tropes or not even one queer character at all yeah um i can 100 agree on that um as someone who inhales a lot of media because it's kind of like part of my job as like you know head of rep where we try to just you know make everything more diverse and books and beyond and point things out to people just like give them a bit of like hey you could also watch this this got nice representation because like diversity has so many layers but like especially when we look at fantasy i feel like there's just such a lack of you know these things and or just like the the part where it even gets more layered because like i would say we we made a good approach in like you know young adult stuff and like maybe even sitcoms and stuff like that where it gets more queer Uh, we've got quite a not strong but i would say solid representation of lesbian gay and bisexuals by now although it could always be more and i would love to see more of these become you know main roles rather than always the sidekicks there's such a lack of gender representation there's such a lack of asexuality aromantic basically the whole like even or like even if we wouldn't go into labels and stuff the underrepresentation of the diversity of love in itself is still not there for me. That's very beautifully said. I think that's just something that I would like to see more because I'm, you know, I'm, I wouldn't classify myself in the 
cliche romanticism or anything like that you know i don't care about candles and flowers to an extent i mean i do i have my favorite flowers and candles <laughs> <laughs> very quickly backtrack that wait a moment <laughs> just in case someone wants to give me candles and flowers i'm also a witch so in case i don't like them i will use them for a spell <laughs> um but what i would love to see is just you know love can be so more like there are so many more ways of like how love can be told as a story per se like and i feel like we are still like we've come away from a lot of like toxic romances and stuff but just in general the way things are portrayed and i will milk the shit out of this example until i die <laughs> the hundred is <laughs> oh a beautiful example so cloud griffin if you still want to see the hundred then this is going to be a spoiler for you so please tune off or just skip the part um so cloud griffin is bisexual and in the in the first season we get to see her with you know a male character and then she later on has her first female interest and then it goes only female from there and you know that's that's fine usually with like you know if it just would be like in the sense of you know we we would get to see more kind of like the way she handles things and i understand it's you know it's a sci-fi show and stuff and you know world apocalypse you might also as well have different things to sort out but what they then did is that there's another male character and they basically even though there was so much giant chemistry and it's also canon in the books they made them friends and it's just and the thing is like i'm not asking for you know hands-on intimacy and physical contact between these characters you could have easily told the layer of love through other story strings in there but they didn't and then it just was pushed in the things of you're my best friend and i was like excuse me what i've been here six seasons are you fucking kidding me like the and you know that that's thing that's another thing and then also what really pissed me off is that raven who is an absolute favorite of mine in the tv series constantly get pushed into another male character her season basically so like i think in all together she has like five or six lovers and i would be fine if it's just you know a woman just you know having her needs in the middle of apocalypse because you know people have needs but and people always... have different like sex drive yeah, that's exactly. also a thing like, like some people are it, like as there are asexual people there are people who have a, a, a higher need to have sex and that's absolutely fine and portraying that is also fine especially with women who always portrayed as oh no women don't like sex and it's like yeah. oh, well women yeah, might not bullshit. like to have sex with you but yeah. that doesn't mean that they overall don't like it <laughs> yeah let's be just fucking real here we masturbate it's a thing like we have sex drives and stuff like that and you know you're not a slut if you enjoy having sex with people um so what happened to raven is basically that she got pushed into this constant like romance thing and that just disappointed me because you know, I would have loved to see her just, you know, in the sense of like, oh, this is nothing serious. This is just, you know, I have other shit to figure out. And like some parts of her story that are incredible and amazing. And then this stuff comes and it happens. And this is just one example from one TV show. But it happens again and again that either we are still having a sort of like, you know, stereotype. And I think this is the thing. It's not about like completely going away from the thing of like, Oh, everything is perfect there is no stigma around this character everyone is very accepting and stuff you can work with certain like stigmas of society that these characters have to face but there's so much more layers to it that i simply want to see um for example which is why i want why i created alicia in my book series who is an aromantic character but who enjoys a lot of sex and she is a woman and she just you know she is just not the romantic kind of type but she enjoys having fun with people and this is just one layer of what I would like to see that comes more out just in general as well as you know we are still so driven by the the, the trope of oh sex sales um so if we bring ace characters in there no one would watch it but I think I think that's a that's a good point about the different kinds of love and that even uh like a sexually active person who's aromantic is something that we never get to see and I think that's the whole point of why I am so disappointed when I look for my favorite genres and I can't see any representation. Because as you said, there's good stuff out there, but 
it's specifically the main focus or the main plot point is LGBTQ, which obviously makes it easy to find because you're looking for it. But I would just love to like pick a book off a shelf or like pick a movie, a show, anything on Netflix on completely random and always find some LGBTQ representation. Yeah. And for all those people who think that's unrealistic, they have not talked to any people except for the heteronormative bubble they live in. Because it's it's unrealistic to only have heteronormative people. That's the unrealistic part. There are so many people in this world who are have different sexuality, different gender identity, who are not just monogamous. There is so much variety that we don't get to see in media and it's I think at some point it's just very difficult because obviously you don't want to like criticize everything to death and there are things that I enjoy that I know are way too heteronormative um but I I think sometimes it just takes the fun out of it because you just you think why was it so difficult to just instead of making it uh woman and a man a man and a man or a woman and a woman so i think especially shows like shadow and bone and the wheel of time actually put a great example it's it's still you know subtle in a lot of ways and not that uh in the focus but for the fact that they are such big names alone in the book series and that they went to the point where they said okay now this is becoming a series we are actually making the effort of not just putting LGBTQ representation in, but also POC representation. And I think that's such an important first step to get to where we want to be. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also the thing for me, which is just, you know, um, as I said, we have established certain certain things. And like, I feel like, especially towards young adults and, and yeah, I, I mean, the example that you dropped with like going to the bookstore, and just picking out something is still like we are very fortunate in the sense of like you know nowadays we have queer book bloggers that you can just follow and they will do these amazing lists and stuff but that is also the thing like i i have these things it's, it's part of my bubble it's part of the the stuff that i surround myself with but if you think about how many books get published per day and then you see a list of like 50 books in the whole entire world that seem to have ace representation that's not even one percent of what yeah. we need um and it's it's not only just about like us as lgbtq plus community people as people they that are queer it's about those heterosexual people those heteronormative people who have never had any contact with anyone that is mildly queer because they live somewhere in a bloody backwater or i don't know I think it's important for people who don't know anything about this to be confronted with it and to learn it's just as normal as being heterosexual or being cisgender. It's, it's, the thing is, since they don't know it and don't understand it, they feel threatened by it. Or uh, obviously not everyone, but I feel like a lot of this could be normalized just by bringing it into focus a bit more than it is. Just making it unavoidable for people to stumble over it at some point. Yeah, exactly. We are basically, like, the premise here is also we are more than just Pride Month. Like, yeah. I appreciate Pride Month. I appreciate the message that stands behind it. But, you know, especially big corporations have this thing of, like, let's pin up the rainbow flags for a month and then we are out of the box again. And it's like... You know, I, I just want to have an environment where I'm like... And it starts with things like, you know, putting up your pronouns in your bio. Because, you know, if I come across... And I don't care if it's an actor, if it's a politician, if it's just, you know, a person that I know from someone else. If I see this person has their pronoun in their bio, there's also automatically a trust basis in there to just, you know... Ah, okay, they understand. They might not understand all of it, but they are setting a small sign... Just say, especially I, I see you, I understand you. Especially they create a safe space. Yeah. Because I've had that happen. Um, I'm not necessarily one who goes talking about it all day, but I, I put my pronouns in my bio and I identify as non-binary. So I had 
a friend who started to realize that he wasn't inclined to any side of the of that either female or male that he identified more as non-binary so he came to me to talk about it because he from all his friends he saw that I would probably understand and that I'm a safe person to talk to about these things which I was very happy about and I think creating these small safe spaces is so incredibly important and it, it doesn't take a lot it's just if you feel safe enough to do it be as open as you can about it just you know it doesn't need much as, as we said just pronouns in your bio just show that you care and you understand the importance of it especially when you're also heteronormative because we yeah. need allies we simply yeah. need allies and that that that's where it starts and yeah just just to wrap it up again as well like what i recently realized and this is something that i want to focus more on even is that there's i mean in fantasy there's just a, so there's a giant lack of underrepresentation and the thing is it's also not you know it's not always about to to center um it around the sexuality or the gender part i would just love to see you know these characters being introduced in the sense of like they are just part of the world in the sense of like and then maybe if if someone has a scene with them or something like that it it comes up for them to talk about these things but we don't have that we like there's so much and it's funny because you know especially in fantasy where we have dragons elves yeah. uh, all the kind of stuff um it's but just, being queer does not exist yeah it's just uh there's still a giant lack and we we need change and i feel like like my because like my strong suit or like the way i try to look at things is definitely more for the asian side um for the kind of women labels and like the feminine side into it but what i also realized is and so i i am also non-binary i go by she they um and i realized at the moment there's you know we have kind of like the non-binary characters that are i put this in brackets masculine representing or like femboys kind of kind of that direction we kind of get that at the moment in like young adult novels and stuff but there is still and this is something that i also experience every day still that people just you know perceive me as a woman and just and the thing is i like there's a giant base where i'm like you know as long as you're respectful and stuff like that i mostly i overhear it or i don't care and and stuff like that yeah. what pisses me off is when someone just comes to me oh but you look like a woman you dress like a woman and like skirts are for women and it's like oh, talk to the scottish it. about that <laughs> <laughs> it's just the thing for me like i i mean this if i would label myself with anything it's the definition of chaos uh, that, <laughs> that is my definition of who i am as as a perception of gender <laughs> <laughs> so hello this is the chaos and tired podcast <laughs> um no but I, you already know that um i because i'm working on a on a script for a fantasy series because i just i don't know i got ideas and i really wanted to put that perspective in and that representation and it also comes a bit from my um, health issue experiences that I had last year and fantasy is just my favorite genre to pack that all up. Um, and I wrote a TV show treatment for it and sent it to uh, to a competition. And no tea, no shade, you know. It's just the thing of clearly they need to give me feedback and I'm very grateful for it. And they had very valid points. But one thing that kind of annoyed me incredibly was the sentence of how does non-binary look like and that's my issue it doesn't look like anything yeah, exactly. it can look like anything and it's not about looking a certain way and i think that's the thing that annoys me a lot and why i i don't necessarily find my place in acting roles as well why i have such a hard time finding it because i'm clearly presenting as female which i cannot change because i have broad hips i have a big bosom i can't change it 
I, I can change at least the letter, but you need a lot of money for that. So, uh, as far as it goes, people clearly identif identify me as female, which I don't really feel like. I don't identify as that myself. So, for me, it's the thing of, I watch shows that I love, things like The Witcher, like Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones... And what they give me is 99% of the roles that I would love to play are men. I don't even get the chance to even audition for such a role. While in reality, what difference would it make? Would it really make a difference to have a woman in armor with a sword when there are dragons flying around? I don't... And it's, it's the thing of... I hear people saying, oh, but there are women fighting. Yes, one. It's always just the one or two women that do that. And it's, quite frankly, a bit tiring. It's, it's the thing of, I feel a lot of roles shouldn't be restricted by gender. Because it would be so much more interesting to suddenly see something you're not used to. Why are we so... Why do we cling so hard to something that we've seen a thousand times when there are so many possibilities of making something so much more interesting because suddenly you change it. And the thing is, we know it works because there are things like video games or books that do it, but those are not so mainstream, like movies and especially cinema movies or TV shows that get broadcasted over the popular streaming sites. We don't see that there as much as we do it in less mainstream media like video games and books. And it's, it's very frustrating. And I think the sentence, how does non-binary look like, just kind of upset me because it's the thing of... It gave me the feeling of not being valid as a non-binary person because I am read as female and I cannot change that in, in any feasible way in a short amount of time. So it, it kind of, while obviously I'm trying not to take feedback personally, it kind of annoyed me because it showed to me that the person reading my piece did not understand what non-binary was, which is fine. But then to throw in such a comment felt kind of personal to me. And I think that's, that's just a problem of that people don't understand it. And listen... I don't understand my own gender identity half the time. I'm still trying to figure it out. But the thing is that if I read stuff like that and I realize I don't understand what that means, why not take five minutes and do a little Google search? There are papers on it. There are things on it where you can find at least a bit of knowledge. You might not relate to it. You might not understand it fully. And no one expects it. But it would just show that you're interested enough to make the effort and it probably would keep you from writing things like how does non-binary look like because I don't owe anyone androgyny and I would fucking love to look androgynous if I would go outside and people would be confused is it a man, is it a woman? that would be my ideal look but I've got the body I've been given and that's how it is yeah, you made so many valid points I think that also shows... Um that we are so far away from breaking certain gender norms because what, what I mentioned earlier, like it's not even about like pressing a label into, into a character. You can easily write a non-binary character without making the label the main focus. And that is something that I would, you know, just like to see that we get more characters that just break the concepts of what we are so used to. Because, you know, I'm just frankly, frankly, I'm just tired of the thing of, having like and this is what i so i've recently watched this tv show called panic and at first you know i thought like oh this is probably very stereotypical because the the og adoption is from a book that came out in 2014 and it's about a small town in somewhere america so i i was you know i was keeping my expectations though in the sense of we're gonna have a lot of stereotypes in here because that's how these you know young adult tv teen teenage shows work and I was surprised, um, very well surprised with some of the like love relationships we had in there because, you know, sometimes you get like 
I mean, you have certain, and this is the thing, you will always have certain stereotypes, you will always, always have certain, oh, we are so used to this, but there were character developments in there where I was like, oh, I, I really like that they went different in there and that even one of well, the characters... And one of the character ships, even kind of like they were just departing at the end. And I love that because, you know, it's teenagers. It's teenagers. They are going to figure their mm -hmm. life out and stuff. It's not about you're happily ever after always and stuff. And just I love that. And um, this is what I mean. Like, it's not always about just, you know, bringing in certain labels and such. But just give me more development for the, the theme of love itself. And when it comes to non-binary... I, or like just the theme of non-binary I just want more flexing on gender stereotypes what you just mentioned with like you know just cast people differently because like for example it works because so we're not in London and obviously Shakespeare will never die in the city and <laughs> there are so many beautiful productions that keep doing this now with like just you know we recently had a production where we had female Hamlet and um especially Shakespeare there is so much that you can recreate now or like change and adapt and like or excuse, excuse me, me sir <laughs> <laughs> um, or the honking or even like especially when you look at mythology and folklore and stuff like old texts don't really like old texts don't really say like oh this god was white no old texts often or like depending on with how old you read into them they were very basically written so it was more about the creation of the world itself and not, oh, I mean, we all know Zeus was a white man. <laughs> <laughs> he acted bless like one. Bless thee, bless thee, chaos, please protect me. <laughs> um, but, you know, especially like, I don't know, give me a, a female Zeus that is rocking up the 21st century with, I don't know what, what kind of business stuff you would throw in. You could do a lot of stuff like that instead of making another TV show on Netflix about a business with the main cast of being white people. I will not name this TV show and I have not watched it. <laughs> I, um, I actually had a very interesting thought because yeah. I would argue, at least for screenplays, people actually should write their characters on the basis of not assigning a gender. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. Because the thing is... Um, you're casting these roles mm -hmm. so you don't really not like in books where you clearly build a character and how they look and what yeah. they do because you're you're having a full-fledged character but is if you write a screenplay you are always dependent on who's gonna get the part yeah. so it's not it, clearly there are things that you imagine and stuff but it's not that strongly set out because we hear so often about these roles where people come in into the audition room and suddenly people are like, oh, we're going to write a character for you. Oh, we're going to change the character for you. And I think that's good. That's really, really good. And I think I'm just trying to take this a step further and say, why assign a certain gender to a role if it's not 100% necessary? Yeah. Um, because very, very often the gender is not a crucial part of it and i think suddenly way more perspectives would open up not just for the writers themselves but also for the casting directors and for the people auditioning for it because suddenly they would get reads that they would have never expected and i think it would take projects in very interesting directions and it could even extend the creativity for costume and makeup because yeah. depending on what project you have and then if you even take it to a further layer of like you know instead of saying we want i don't know specifically someone chinese and you're just saying okay uh okay if you say asia it's a very wide range um but if you open up certain ranges of like you know it could be technically from this region and this region and this region and then designing the gender aspect as well there's just a lot more opportunity out there and, you know, I think, or, or like what you just said, like, obviously with books, it's different. But I think that's also something that I would like to see for my book series or like whatever book is going to be adapted first. Um, you know, what I like is that, you know, I have obviously I have a certain image of certain characters. Um, but um, I've been 
thinking about some like you know perception changes and stuff and how I bring in certain characters and I wouldn't mind for example changing someone's um, um, race or, or color in that sense for a TV show adaption if it makes sure that there is more presentation in there because I like to think that unless it's something to do with the magical system I created that most of the characters could be have a different lead like in the sense I mean for example there's absolutely no way that Killian is gonna be white <laughs> because oh my god he's exhausting already <laughs> we don't want another oh no oh no um but yeah you know like just play around with it and just like maybe keep an open mind because you know sometimes maybe it's like you have a certain picture in your head of like what you would like to see but then if someone comes along and does an amazing job it's, of it's also the thing i think we very often see when we see pictures of actors we've never seen in action and then we see them in action and suddenly we understand because there is people are so much more than how they look and there is a certain energy to people where you're like you look nothing like the character i've written but you act like him you move like him you just have this this aura about you that just says it all over and i think that's why it's very interesting to adapt books to screenplays and obviously they're always going to be like the very very strict fans but as someone who has a bit of experience with the whole acting world i think it's quite interesting to see how different you can make things and it's also the thing with reboots because let's be honest if you want to read the books you're going to read the books yeah clearly we want something that stays true to the spirit of the show and to <laughs> which is season two <laughs> we we do want things to <clears throat> to not feel like there's something completely new obviously but i think there needs to be a bit of room to for creativity yeah because what else would we do if we would kept copying and redoing the same things over and over i, th I think that sounds rather boring yeah and it's it's similar to you know just changing the storyline and adapting new things because that's spoiler if you haven't seen Shadowhunters what I loved about Shadowhunters for example I never liked Jocelyn Car Clary's mom in the books and she got killed off I loved it yeah. it was great <laughs> I was like oh Clary's gonna get a huge character development now because her mom's dead and that's what I love because like and sometimes it's these radical twists and stuff where I'm like, wow, they really went there and then changed stuff. And um, obviously, sometimes it can also be very upsetting when one of your favorite characters gets killed <laughs> very soon that you didn't see it coming. <laughs> um, and there are choices where I absolutely disagree with. But it's also a thing. It's, it's like art. It's, it's yeah. still art in every way. And I think you can love things and criticize them that's yeah because the thing is i do love witcher i love the world a lot but it is incredibly heteronormative and when we go to the books and the games <clears throat> it is quite sexist mm. and that's a fact it's something i you can't ignore which you know it's not something i I just ignore away and say, oh, it's the best thing ever. I clearly criticize those things. And I'm still going to watch the show because I'm, I'm interested in it. And I think the show, while not doing everything right, very clearly brings a, a female perspective into it, thanks to the showrunner and the casting agency that's behind it. And I think you do notice that, that energy that kind of shifts the whole thing a bit. Will it ever be like the most progress progressive thing there is? No, probably not, because the source material is very white, very heteronormative, very sexist, and all those other issues, because there are very troublesome issues with queer women in there as well. But the thing is, I appreciate the show because it takes those issues and, and changes them, because they are not present in the show. And yeah... I still, as you said, there are things that you can never ever forgive. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are definitely things, you know, you're like, oh, I don't understand why they did that. And that's really weird. And I don't like it. But yeah, it, you can still enjoy it. 
Yeah, and I think the, the important thing here is also like, and you know this if you have listened to a couple of episodes before, I just like cancel culture to an extent of like, oh my God, don't we have other things to worry about? Because um, the, the difference is like holding account people accountable for things, which has nothing to do with cancel culture. And the, the, the spirit of cancel culture is like, oh, I don't like this. So I'm not going to watch anything of this anymore. Or because this person said this, I'm not going to support them anymore. And it's like, well, hold on a second. We need to look at the whole context, the whole picture of this. For example, yeah, there's a lot of stuff I don't agree with season two material. But if I would just, you know, quit, quit it, that would mean I would not only quit on the showrunners, but on so many actors, people that put work into costumes and stuff like that. And yet, is there any TV show that managed that? No, there's only movies that managed that for me. Um, but this is the thing, like there's always so many more people behind the production. Regardless of that, we have to call things out to make it better in the future. But this is the thing, like I feel like with fantasy, like where we are with Witcher right now, to make it a bit more, you know, 20 zeitgeisty, um, we're going in a better direction, definitely from the women's side and stuff. Um, and then eventually V and I are gonna come in and you know drop our stuff. <laughs> I mean, I think that's also the problem is a bit that um not a problem. I mean, it is a problem overall. It's not a problem with the people itself, or at least some of them, because The Witcher, as I said, it has a very the show has a more feminine view on it, and I think that's great because we get a lot of strong, interesting perspectives from female characters, which we don't usually or not in in such a magnitude but often people can only tell from what they know and what they have experienced and lived and i think that's a bit the issue with the whole lgbtq plus um problem because people should be uplifted to tell their stories and a lot of not just lgbtq plus but also puc obviously and all that but uh, I can't speak on those issues because they're not my lived experiences. But I think a lot of these people do not get the chance to to make those movies and make those shows or publish their books in, in such a to such a big audience, which really is an issue that's somewhere in the behind the scenes category of, of the industry. And, and it's very difficult. I think it's a very difficult topic because you don't really know where to start changing things. And I think it's the thing of trying to find those people, trying to create with each other, trying to support those indie projects, trying to, to find those representing media bits and trying to give them a voice as much as you can. It's like supporting small businesses a bit. But yeah, it's it's very hard and frustrating because there's so much more work that needs to be done. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna drop three keynotes and then I'm gonna say every point to it. So first, Asian roles in mass media, uh, Lin Manuel Miranda, <laughs> and uh, just the general message of diversity. And uh, to wrap it up, then, so like what I recently and since I found out this year that part of me is Asian. Um, I even more notice things because like the thing is for me I've been growing up with Korean music Chinese music all that kind of stuff I've been into the scene for 10 years so for me none of the the cultural behaviors none of the movies anything I've been always watching k-dramas all that kind of stuff was ever new it only hit me when Parasite got Oscar nominated that it is so underrepresented in mass media because I, you know, I was always watching stuff that came directly from the countries and stuff, and then you sudden it hits you, and you're like, "Hang on a second, yeah, we have basically zero to none like main representation of like Asian main characters in, you know, the the TV shows that get really good promoted around the world." That's that's like when they finally got Squid Game on Netflix, and people yeah. fucking loved it, and it's like. Oh, it's almost like people do not give a shit if it's from other countries. And it's almost like it's just about being a good story and having like a good production value. Yeah, exactly. And like, I, I'm so glad, you know, I, I'm so glad that it happens. But if you know the story behind Squid Game, it was in the works for 10 years. And that is the example that kind of like brings me to Lynn Manuel Miranda as well. Because like, and w this is where I'm also guilty and which is why this is so important that we keep having these conversations because it starts with all of us 
to look in different directions of diversity because for example i i knew in the heights i had absolutely no idea because like I, i've been growing up with theater and musicals as well i had no idea that lynn was in charge for that when it's like you know started to like be around until he hamilton hit and he obviously you know kicked through the roof and stuff and now he's doing all these amazing works for hispanic representation and i love it but this is a good example lynn was already out there before hamilton hit and that's what happens to a lot of us creatives we are doing so much hard work and this is why we all kind of like need to stick together and you know widen our horizon for diversity because i've been thinking about this a lot when when I started this podcast and was thinking about like, all right, I want to do definitely a focus around diversity. And I'm, I can 100% say I had no idea how deep it would go when starting this journey. Like the first thought that I had when, when bringing up the topics of diversity was race, because it was always the biggest topic that stood in discussion after the Black Lives Matter movement and stuff. And race is definitely an absolute important and valid reason. However, diversity is so much more than just race. We have diversity labels in every part of our life. It starts with food and drinks. It starts with fashion, music, yes. uh, LGBTQ, all that kind of stuff. And culture, culture different cultures. Different cultures. Um, uh, all these kind of like basically concepts and themes around life where we have to look into. Like for example, and this is a very good example. When I say food and stuff, you know, I started to, or what I'm trying to do is I'm trying at the moment to go more to like locals again that I've never visited before just to support them. And obviously you live in London in a cultural city with so many restaurants. Good luck. Um, <laughs> but like, this is where it starts. You know, we are so used to do the, the kind of norm of like, ah, oh, you know what, I'm just going to get a meal deal from Tesco instead of just going to the supermarket that's next door. I don't know maybe complete different food or whatever and it starts with things like this and and even more when when we look at things at like you know disability and stuff and and i yeah, think that's also a thing um obviously it's not just lgbtq and different races it's also disabilities yeah they don't get a lot of representation or yeah. I accurate representation yeah it's horrendous how hard they have to yeah i would try say, yeah i would also say or class that or like not class that but put mental health to the side as well because like yeah. i feel like mental health is still unless it is a movie about mental health still a stigma that also doesn't really get broken and into. let's be honest we're all mentally fucked yeah. and the thing is i think i think that's the fun thing like fun thing under like air quotations because they were like oh like the pandemic made everyone more depressed i'm like no kids you were already depressed yep. you just didn't know it because you were so busy working 60 hours a week and trying to keep your family running smoothly and it's horrendous because people can't afford therapy or if people can afford it and try to get a space they have to wait for months to get yeah. one something is very very wrong with that yeah and this is why it's so important that we start having these conversations and like because i i recently or more than ever had this this thinking of no one is responsible to save the world on their own yeah however we all have a like and in, in my opinion we all have a responsibility to do to do something and this is something like and when i say something it's just you know it starts with realizing that we all have an impact and as bizarre as that sounds but for example your kind of revolution can also be, you know, you're going to start being more a minimalist. That is already something that is going to have an impact because if you start reducing certain, I don't know, the intake that you buy on clothes every year or I, the I intake... I think that's, that's also very important is the thing that we always think that small things don't matter when it's quite the opposite. Yeah. It's For, every little bit counts. Yeah, and this is this is where it starts with the matters of diversity in itself because um for example i recently had a confrontation on the internet where it was with a disabled person um and it made me open up to like and this is the thing and this is so important to understand as well even within the communities like within the disabled community which i don't want to label myself into but i do have men uh, I do have mental health issues and I do have physical health issues. <laughs> um, 
it's not part of the disability spectrum, but it is an injury that is permanent at the moment. At the moment, maybe in the future, I don't know yet because I'm on a waiting list. <laughs> um, the famous waiting the list. The famous waiting list and stuff. And you know, um, but it made me realize that we also need to break the stigmas in our own communities. And I, I can even more tell you stories on the matter of LGBTQ because yeah. just because you're part of the LGBTQ doesn't mean everyone is very accepting. Like we are quite good with you know supporting each other but i, I have a history with angry lesbians <laughs> i think the point is just that there are assholes everywhere yeah which sounds very discouraging but you know there are lovely people out there and and i think with all the thing of oh you should do things and you should you should open your mind to to the diversity that's actually in our lives and around us i think it's also important on that note to say don't stress yourself yeah you cannot do everything you can't be a world saving vegan who does all who dismantles racism on their own and brings lgbtq representation to every tv show out there like you can't do it all and you can't do it like every day every minute of your day and that's okay it's still a thing that you you know if you sometimes do things if you do small things if you do things that are like more impactful for you it still matters and that's what i meant with every little bit counts yeah. it's just if you for example if you stop eating meat but you still want your milk products then it's it's not like it negates the fact that you are not buying meat anymore it's it's the thing of you don't have to go a hundred or zero there yeah. are there's a spectrum in between yeah. And there's always a spectrum with a lot of things. And we also need to understand that certain changes can only come from a certain privilege. Like for yes. let's let's yes. face the fact that being vegan is still not not like we are much better with the variety of products, but it is still a price range value, and that's for that that that's something that you simply can't deny. And it te like it makes a change in your household calculation and stuff. Plus, I'm also. Like, as I mentioned, I have physical and mental health issues. And I'm also a very tall person. That means I have quite a high intake of on what I should eat per day. And, like, this is... So, oh, plus having circulation. Like, I have a long list of issues. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is just one perspective of, like, you know... And, and I'm still trying to be mo most of the times vegan. But, you know, sometimes I also need to look what's good for my body. In the sense of I need to have a certain iron intake or protein intake... Where, for example, vitamins are then costing me a lot more money compared to, I don't know, the local fish that I'm eating and stuff like that. That gives me what I need as an intake. Yeah. And that's something that we all need to understand that as much as I'm a fan of radical change myself, um, you know, it is certain changes come from a privileged point. And it's great if you if you achieve that level and that, you know, it, it's you, you manage that or like if you are managing to do it from one day to another i salute you but we also need to understand that everyone's story is different and that yeah. you know we all need to see what we can do to to make change together and my biggest advice is just do not waste your breath on very angry people on the internet because i'm i know i look like a bad bitch but, <laughs> but, but she I, will cry <laughs> but i will cry <laughs> um because the thing is, like, there's a certain... And this is the thing that... Or the vision that I have. I believe that if we all do or realize our impact and privilege and start to do, you know, adopt certain change into our lo life and make sure that we all do a certain impact on the spectrum of diversity and changes for the society, I believe that essentially our impact of love and what we put into becomes bigger than the assholes out there. It is obviously a philosophy vision that I have. But however... This is what I'm trying to do. This is what I'm trying to do until the end of my life. And I just I, love how we went on a complete fucking tangent. It's the meat I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, and it's just for me, it's the thing of like, you know, and trust me. And I know this is especially with social media stuff. It's so hard to understand or see where your impact goes and your change and stuff like that. But someone, like, I always, first of all, I always say, with every hater, there are five more people that love you, 100%. Um, I 
Okay, I need to repeat my mantra again because otherwise people might misunderstand this. I believe that everyone should live their truth unless they box, label, hurt, discriminate someone on purpose or try to convince them of their, their belief. However, I know that there is no universal truth and assholes and fascists are out there. Um, so, you know, all we can do is like try and what, please be more humble on the internet and don't consume everything. Like, I know it's such a... I think the advice is um, get off the internet. Yeah. <laughs> don't be on the internet all the time. It's horrendous. It's great. I love the internet, but it's also hor horrible and it's gonna, it's gonna damage you as well if you don't mindfully consume what is out yeah, there. Yeah, be mindful. Be mi and, and what I said, don't get into conversation with certain angry people. No matter... Because that's what I tried. I really tried. And this is what I tried a lot this year. I tried to... Or I'm that person that has a good heart in the sense of... I want to understand this person and this story. However, it happens <laughs> that a lot of people out there that don't really deserve my time in that sense. And um, this is something that we will all eventually learn along the road, you know because sometimes you can read certain signs and sometimes you don't however don't argue argue with angry people on on the internet and don't waste your breath for useless i don't know debates and i sound so old when i'm saying this <laughs> okay gandalf but, mm, <laughs> taking the hobbits to eyes and which brings us back to fantasy <laughs> Um, but yeah, essentially, you know, we all should take a bit more of a breath because I know there's the stigma of like missing out and and having a feeling of like, oh my God, what if I don't check my DMs like three times a day? It's gonna be fine. And the right Remember people... the day of uh, Facebook down. Yeah. That was... Nothing happened. Literally nothing happened. Mm -hmm. I didn't even realize until three hours later yeah. when my girlfriend couldn't write me a messenger. Yeah. And it was just us in the flat being like, mm okay. <laughs> okay well i'm gonna read a book then yeah and this is something like i just want to quickly share because uh, for example i obviously instagram is part of my work and what i do but you know as, as harsh as that sound if everything goes to shit we will figure it out yeah like we will figure it out always and that's what you're doing we're trying to figure out how to get more representation into our media and i just hope that some of you feel inspired to go out there and maybe try to find... And if you find any LGBTQ fantasy shows, please send them my yeah, way. Please send them to us. Please like it. And if, if you have any book recommendations, if you have friends uh, or just favorite authors that are not that well-known, that have great representation in whatever direction, feel free to tell us. Um, we'd absolutely love to take a look and, you know... Especially indie authors as well, because like there's still this giant stigma between indie books and you know traditional published books, and I feel like we need both equally supported in the sense of making more presentation valuable and like visible. So on that note, I think we wrapped it up with an amazing tangent again. <laughs> Wherever you are in the world right now, I hope you feel inspired.